Welcome to the Buddha Belly Life Podcast, empowering purpose, mind to microbiome, a mind-body-soul approach to life, starting with your gut. Join me, Coach Britt, as I interview top wellness entrepreneurs and microbiome science geeks, and together we mastermind a bucket list kind of life while building the ultimate vessel to live it in. Welcome to your Buddha Belly Life. Don't forget to take notes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Buddha Belly Life podcast. We're starting our new series called Overgrown, all about bacteria overgrowths and issues and a lot of things you may not know starting in the gut. And our guest this month for all four sessions is going to be Tracy Merritt. She is the regional account manager and functional medicine consultant for Microbiome Labs, which is a top um, gut supplement company. We're going to chat about a little bit. We're going to hear a lot about her story with SIBO. Um, what is SIBO? What are, what is overgrowth? What, how this is affecting so many people and what kind of things it's connected to, the symptoms that's, that are being caused because of it, how it's affecting our lives and our gut issues. We're going to talk about probiotics. We're going to talk about antibiotics and we're going to also hear a lot about um, how she's overcome a lot of these things and where it's taken her in her life through these four sessions. So in today's session, we are going to talk about um, Tracy and we're going to hear a little bit about her story. So thank you, Tracy, for being on. Um, welcome to the podcast. Say that Thank first. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Don't be nervous. I can talk enough for everybody. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your story. Right before you guys, right before she's, um, we, we started recording, she was telling me a little more about her past that I wasn't totally familiar with um, and her in wellness. And so Tracy, go ahead and tell us a little bit about where you have, you know, started and came from and, uh, I can learn yeah. a little bit too as you go, a little more than yeah. I thought I even knew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me, Brittany. And yeah, so my background um, was always into fitness, um, really kind of prided myself almost on being healthy and uh, um, worked out all the time, had lots of energy, uh, became a personal trainer at a point in time. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, decided to have children, had my first daughter, didn't notice any kind of health issues. But after my second daughter, I started to notice some things going awry. And then, of course, as we all sometimes go through health journeys, you look back and see pieces of the puzzle that maybe you didn't see prior. But um, all of a sudden, after my second daughter, I started noticing um, anxiety, hormonal acne um, at about six months old. Uh, started noticing just horrendous insomnia. It wasn't just like the baby waking up. It was, I could not sleep. It was, it was really bad. Um, and then move forward about another six months or so. And I got food poisoning one December and then some other kind of like bacterial gut thing that same month. And then everything changed. And that is when all of a sudden I started noticing food sensitivities, IBS type symptoms, um, uh, depression. It just the whole gut, gut brain connection, gut hormone. And of course, I knew nothing about it at that time. So I just went traditional medicine and started going to different doctors. Nobody could figure out what was going on. Everyone just kept telling me it was stress. Uh, but they tested me for everything under the sun, cancer, um, oh my God. uh, 
Yeah. I mean, talk about scary, right? Because I was losing weight. That was a big piece of the puzzle, but I couldn't absorb anything. I was nutrient deficient. Um, and so since I was losing weight and they couldn't figure out why, yeah, they tested me for cancer, a colonoscopy, a this, a that. And at the end, they said, you're just stressed. And so, of course, nobody wants to just hear that when you know something's going awry. So many people, and while stress is so important and it can do so many things to you, when you don't understand the full spectrum of health and you don't understand the gut and the gut brain connection, that that's so frustrating for me because like stress is, is a significant thing, but like how, when we approach stuff, we approach it from all angles. So it's like mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. So it's like Mm -hmm. your stress is a piece of your stress affects your gut and your gut affects your stress. And if someone is showing all these symptoms, there's a root to something that's going on with them. And it stinks that when we get to a point in our traditional medicine experiences, that if, if the practitioner gets to a point where they can't answer what condition or thing you have, then they just write it off as something else. It's like, it's like there has to be a stamp of doneness that they've figured it out when it's not figured out. And you know, it's not figured it out. Yeah. And what it sounds to me, what's really interesting to me is that, you know, you say you got, you had all those symptoms um, after the baby about six months postpartum. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, like pregnancy has always been pretty rough. I've always had really healthy, I've been really healthy through my pregnancies, but knowing my body, it's been, I mean, it's always been pretty rough on my, like my adrenals and my thyroid and stuff. And I really tapped into that more when I got pregnant at 35, at a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> and and my body was great and my weight gain was yeah. fine and all that stuff. But the some of the different, the blood pressure spikes and the things that were um, related to my hormones, I could, yeah. I could see that, you know? Yeah, so in today's world, absolutely. And in today's world, we I don't know if the medical system is taking into consideration women are at a, completely different point in time and having children, right? We're not at home and only having to, well, obviously still cooking and cleaning and all of that is a full-time job. Um, But many of us are doing that on top of working or, um, you know, there's just, we're multitasking at a level that we've never done before. So, and still having the babies and, you know, so I agree. The adrenals are taxed. Our stress levels are high. So many times- yeah, okay. well, totally. And we, we're going into um, pregnancy and stuff like without the, the microbiome, even without the gut, basically, that we once had, you know, we've already got usually environmental stressors and things that have done damage um, and maybe our diet and our lifestyle and all that, that has changed so much. And then we go take on something like pregnancy, which they call the stress test of the body for a reason. Yes. Yeah. And so you, what's interesting to me is you probably saw, so at that six month mark, when you were seeing those physical symptoms that you knew were not normal, and then you got really sick later, which we know probably did more of a number to your gut, but also you were probably more susceptible to the food poisoning and the stomach virus or whatever, because of where your gut was at prior to, but nobody knew that part yet because nothing was wrong with you. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I do. Oh, you and I prior to um, hopping on, we're talking about with personal training. It's all about uh, calories. 
And so I learned nothing about the microbiome and about the gut that had not even come to my radar. Uh, looking back, I had taken antibiotics about, you know, three, four months prior to getting food poisoning. Um, I took them for a short period of time because I was starting to get hormonal acne. And my uh, primary care practitioner said, oh, I know what we'll do. Let's just put you on minocycline or whichever one it was. And so did that for a few months, but it actually made it worse. And so I think it was making my gut worse. And so then I was, I went off of it, but it was just the perfect storm. And like I said, you look back and see all the steps that led up to it. Mm-hmm. But you have so much yeah. insight now to give people because of that. Um, 100%. So when you, so when you actually, well, and here's the thing about diagnosis, like you say, IBS and all that. Like, I, I am somebody that I always tell people, I'm like, IBS isn't a diagnosis, I don't think. I don't feel like it's a diagnosis. I think it's a, a it's like telling saying a baby has colic. It is yeah. just basically a generic um ex, you know kind of um ex, explanation but label for a yeah. set of symptoms that we cannot identify the root of. And ironically, like babies with colic and IBS, I feel like they originate from a very similar place of a, yes. a gut issue. My oldest son was like so colicky, right? And I I didn't know then what I know now. And I could have helped, you know, done so much more, but I know things now. It was the same thing. He was so colicky. You know, he would Mm -hmm. spit up all the time and he would cry all the time and he would never sleep. And well, mommy passed on her gut to baby. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you're so right. I mean, IBS really is a diagnosis of exclusion when they can't figure out what else is going on. It's, well, we don't know, but your bowels are irritated. So this is just the what we're going to say. Final you stamp. Have. Yep. Figured you, you out. The end. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so when- is kind of becoming a catch-all as well. And so I'm so glad you're talking about this because when I had SIBO eight years ago, it was very brand new and the science has evolved so much. So I'm so glad you're sharing about it now because we know so much more about the condition and it's, it was not the same thoughts eight years ago. So it really, now we're really understanding the condition. Yes. And so SIBO, if you guys aren't familiar with, so, so ultimately you came to the conclusion of SIBO, which that I mean, after all that stuff that you went through, you realized that at least um, your body was in a state of SIBO, we could say, right? I mean, you had yes. SIBO, that was your disease and this is the end. <laughs> but yes. that SIBO was the condition and SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And so that is when that bacteria makes its way, um, it overpopulates the small intestine where there's not supposed to be a lot of bacteria. It's supposed to stay in the large intestine and then cause an array of issues. So can you elaborate a bit on what SIBO is? That's what, you know, in this episode, we we just really want you guys to first get the foundation of what is is SIBO and how she kind of came to this one. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at the end of that journey, and they only thought it was stress, I ended up going to a naturopath and the SIBO breath test was brand new at that time, uh, tested positive for that and parasites in my blood. So there was a root. Uh, I just had to dive a little deeper. Um, 
And so, yes, you're spot on. So SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Uh, And basically what they did then was a breath test and they are testing the level of bacteria. You drink this lactulose, they're going to ferment it, cause a lot of gas. And then you do this breath test to see at what percent of bacteria are, are fermenting it. And where, like you said, they should not be overgrown to a certain degree in the small intestine. So um, for all the, the science gurus out there, uh, the small intestine should only be about 10 to the fourth of bacteria. And if it's 10 to the fifth or higher, you're diagnosed with SIBO. And then like you said, the large intestinal flora should have tons of bacteria, like 10 to the seventh, 10 to the eighth. Uh, and so eight years ago, we thought that the way SIBO happened was that the small intestine, or I'm sorry, the large intestinal flora was migrating up into the small intestine somehow. So it must have been like a faulty ileocecal valve and the, the little flap wasn't closing and, and the uh, microbes were heading up to the small intestine. But we now know there's other root causes like food poisoning. Uh, and also, I don't know how much you want to dive into um the different ways you can get it today, but um, oral dysbiosis is a huge role as well because we're swallowing down gallons of microbes. So uh, Karan Krishnan, our our founder, uh, he talks a lot about how the oral dysbiosis that many of us have are playing a role in a lot of health conditions and SIBO is one of them. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah, and we're going to do some more detail about that in our next episode. But will you explain a little bit? So when it comes to SIBO and you, when, how long did it take you to actually figure out that it was a bacterial overgrowth that was causing all these symptoms and these things for you? Yeah, about a year. So uh, about a year, all that testing, um, And luckily now it's on people's radar. Even your traditional gastroenterologist, they finally have acknowledged that this is uh, a piece of the puzzle for some people. So you may be able to go to just a gastroenterologist and mention this condition, uh, but otherwise a lot of naturopaths, health coaches, uh, you know, different types of practitioners, it's definitely on their radar. So in the next episode, we, um, we're going to get into what it looks like, um, symptoms and things like that, because it's pretty, it's pretty common. I think it's more prevalent than we sure. think or than we know and believe. Um, but like you said, with the medical system, they've proven, I think it's, it takes about 17 years for current science and research to like good science and research. That is something to, to you know, use to make its way into modern medical or conventional medicine practice. So like, no wonder some of us have been, you know, diving into, you know, I remember when I wrote Buddha Belly, it was like five years ago. And I remember some people, you know, like, like it was this, this trendy concept, like maybe it was like a fad diet or something like that. And when really we were talking about the, the concept of the root foundation of the gut and the gut, we talk about it in components, you know, so the part of your gut health is the structural integrity of it, right? And then a huge part of it is the microbial community that lives within it. Mm -hmm. And you have microbes that live all over your body, but the ones that live in your gut are just so powerful because of the things they do and create. You know, your gut is your second brain. It can function with a a brain dead person. It it can do Mm -hmm. its own thing without 
the signals doing that. So, whoa, this is a big deal. So it just goes to show these microbes in our gut are so important and in the right ratios and the right amounts. We need enough, um, we need plenty of diversity and enough of the what we call the good microbes. How would you, what would you say, gram positive? Like how would you, you know, yeah. scientifically yeah. label the good microbes versus bad? Yeah, you know, there's gram positive and gram negative. Um, traditionally, a little bit more of the, the gram positive are, are going to be good. Um, but you're right, it's all about ratios. And so we've got these fantastic bacteria that we call keystone species. And uh, the star is acromancia. We've got fecalum bacteria, but uh, bifido, lacto, there's all these keystone species that help police the gut. And they're going to make the environment and the pH unfavorable to pathogens. They're going to compete compete with the pathogens and competitively they're going to protect you them. from a stomach virus or food poisoning, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah, everything's in proportion. Everything's been made in this fantastic way uh, when we eat. And we're in a rest and digest state. So that parasympathetic versus stressed and we're on the go and eating in the car and traffic, you know, um, mm-hmm. we're not producing the hydrochloric acid and the bile and all these mechanisms that the body has created that when you're eating something and you have the oral dysbiosis or you have uh, microbes on the salad that was made at the restaurant, that the hydrochloric acid and the bile are going to kill off those bad bacteria before they can get down to the small intestine. And when we're stressed and we're on the go or just uh, certain medications or certain things have caused the bile and the hydrochloric acid to not work optimally, we don't have those protective mechanisms in place. And that's another way SIBO can happen. Yeah. So, um, and so we'll elaborate a little bit more on that, but the, this is such a, this has been so informative. And I know that people, like I always say, take notes, rewatch things, re-listen, because we'll, we'll layman's terms things as much as we can, but we're also going to give you the full shebang of scientific information because people listen from, we have, I mean, I have all my, my gut coaches that listen to this, all my gut health school coaches. Uh, we have individuals that struggle with gut issues. We have, you know, practitioners and professionals that are tied in and listening to the podcast. And so we speak to everyone. And so what's fun is that, you know, take your notes because there'll be things that maybe you go back and you Google or it starts sparking thought and research in you. So, so don't forget to do that. So thank you, Tracy, so much for giving us a a big picture today of, of why we're talking about, um, overgrowth in general, bacteria in general, and, um, especially SIBO. Thank you for sharing the beginning of your story. And I know that I'm super excited. We are all super excited for the next session where we're going to get more into details as to, um, how this happens and what we can do about it and a little bit more about um, Tracy's story. Thanks so much, Brittany. Thanks for joining us in this week's Buddha Belly Life podcast. For more episodes, coaching resources, and gut programs, visit BuddhaBellyLife.com. Don't forget to put us in your schedule for next week. And remember, keep showing up and enjoy the journey.